Well, good morning, Gospel Tab family. Uh, for any visitors who don't know me, I'm Steve Rossi. I'm a pastor here at the Tab, and uh, it's such a joy to join with you this morning and share what we believe to be Jesus' vision uh, for the church in this season. And I really think it's going to shock you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's not, but I think it's going to be good. So, <laughs> Brooke was getting nervous there. <laughs> um, she's going to be sharing too. So, but yeah, so this morning, I just want to start by sharing an aspect of what we believe from the Nicene Creed, which is that we as the church are one holy Catholic apostolic church. And we've recited this together some, you know, as a, we've read it as a whole. And, um, but what does it mean that we are holy? We are holy in that we are set apart to righteousness, right? We are set apart for special purposes. We are anointed by Jesus with his spirit for his works to be accomplished in the earth, to reach other people to know this good news in the person Jesus Christ, right? We are Catholic, here meaning universal, meaning worldwide, meaning believers from every nation. And we are also apostolic, meaning in the essence of our identity in the gospel, we are a sent people, sent one to another. Uh, you see what we'll be doing tonight with grounded and missional communities and other things with children and youth. We are a people called to the neighborhoods, and we are a people sent to the nations as well. We're a sent people. And one of the things about being apostolic in our essence as a new creation in Christ, as the body of Christ, is um, we get the language, the culture, the values of heaven for earth. And Joel, in his ministry, is primarily an apostolic leader. So over the last 15 years, his ministry has been one whereby we have torn down in different seasons, things that are counterfeit to the gospel. And there's been painful seasons, but good seasons, in not just tearing down, but building back up and sowing into uh, what God had for us through the obedience of faith through steps of obedience in time. And so what apostolic, what sent leadership often does is it creates a culture through language and values that we share. A culture, not just any language and values, right? It's not a language of manipulation and persuasion and get to do my vision. You get to do my vision. No, it's a language of the king that, that encapsulates the kingdom of God as we see it in Scripture. And not only that, but how we live it out. And so we start to move forward in the truth of this message by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Well, I've shared this in one other context, but that word apostle, Jesus took that from the culture, knowing contextually that his disciples would understand it when he said, I'm calling you to be apostles. You see, Roman culture uh, they had apostles, and when they would conquer a land, they would enculturate it, and they would bring their musicians, and, they, and it would be the apostles who would be sent to do this, to steward the kingdom of empire in that new place that was conquered. Well, how many of you know that Jesus is very interested in bringing the kingdom of light 
into the kingdom of darkness by a spirit-empowered church, an apostolic people, right? And so that's what this is all about. That's Christ's vision for his church, of his church, amen? And so, but also, um, and, and by the way, a fruit of this happening among us is we just sent out our best two weeks ago, right? I mean, there's fruit. This isn't just an idea or, a con, or something we're conceptualizing or agreeing about and nodding our heads together in a room right now, right? There's, there's fruit of, of this manifesting among us, of the work of the Holy Spirit manifesting in that we sent out an apostolic leader in obedience to Christ. And often when an apostolic leader is sent out, they leave with us too, not just that language, that culture, those values. They leave with us a blueprint, an ecosystem of interconnected life, a mechanism for holistic discipleship to multiply healthy leaders, disciples of Jesus Christ. And what we have now that you've seen before is the engagement pathway. And Brooke's going to talk to us a little bit about the what and why of the pathway. All right. Um, in your seats in front of you, I would like each of you to get out the sheet. It's up here, but very, very hard to read <laughs> if you were trying to read off that. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about the engagement pathway. My name is Brooke. I'm one of... Um, the persons here on staff at the Gospel Tab, and some of what my role is shifting into is um, being a part of being able to oversee the engagement pathway for the church. And my heart, this is part of my passion for each of you, is that I have this overwhelming desire for each of you to be able to grow and come into all that God has for each of you. Um, and we're on this journey with you. You know, each of us, even those that have the opportunity or the privilege to be on staff, we're on the pathway too, right? Nobody's arrived. <laughs> Nobody's figured this out. Um, but I just want to, you know, explain what this looks like. So we believe that the engagement pathway that this is called is, is another word for it. it could be a discipleship pathway. And it's an eco ecosystem for three things. We believe it's an ecosystem for restoration, for equipping and for sending. Um, and so I'm just gonna kind of explain what this looks like um, in these three areas. And hopefully inside there can be things that you think, oh, that's where I'm supposed to plug in now. Um, you can't do all of this at one time, right? But there's things that God's calling you into and we wanna be a part of being able to help you through the process. So the first thing I mentioned was restoration. And we believe that discipleship begins with restoration. This is not a once and done thing. We all are on a journey, our entire lives of being restored. And um, there are things that happen in our lives that the enemy intended for evil. But God can take those and he can use them for good and for his glory. Um, but the choice is ours in how we step into our healing. If we just stuff things down and we don't ever allow the light into the dark places, Steve was talking about this earlier, if we don't let the light into the dark places, we're never going to have healing and freedom in those places. Um, and there are things that have happened to us that we've caused ourselves. There are things that have happened to us that are completely outside of our control. Um, and if we move through life with unprocessed pain and heartache, 
um, we will never come to the fullness that God's intended for us. And so we want, as part of our discipleship ecosystem, is to create places that you can walk through restoration. Um, Some passages that came to mind as I was thinking about this was, he has come to bind up the prisoners and set the captives free. We want to walk in freedom. Um, Another passage says, he has come that we might have life and life abundantly. Um, This is what this this can look like. and so this is what part of the pathway um, is, is a part of this. So we believe, you know, the, the biggest place you're going to find this on the engagement pathway is under the discipleship ecosystem. You'll see a, a, a circle on there that says that there's the Freedom Center. And so the Freedom Center is a place that you can come for healing prayer. You can come for deliverance prayer. You can come um, for counseling. You can come just to be able to come to deeper places of the healing on your journey. And... Um, one of the things that we say here at the tab, we believe that we have the church gathered, which is what we're doing right now, right? You know, so we're here for, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half, maybe two hours um, here right now. And then the rest of our all day, every day, the rest of our weeks are what we call the church scattered. And so the church scattered is the rest of the time of our lives. So obviously we spend a lot more time scattered than we spend gathered. So we believe that when we come here and we gather together, this is a place for us to be refreshed and to be able to come together, but then we go out from this place. Um, And that each of us has a mission. Steve actually, you know, kind of alluded to this um, too. You know, there's a lot of places or churches, especially in North American culture, that believe that the pastor has the vision and um, that every person should join into that vision and serve that particular vision. We really believe here at the tab that God has given each of you a unique vision and ministry. And so part of the engagement pathway, the purpose of the engagement pathway, is for us to be able to help you discover that and then to be able to release you um, to whatever God has for you. And so this is part of the equipping process. So the first was restoration. The second is equipping. And equipping equipping is um, that we need to grow and learn and have tools to be able to fight um, the places that the enemy is coming after us. We need to know the word. We need to be able to know how to fight in prayer. And we need to um, take seriously um, the, the idea that the word talks about the fact that we are like infants, right? It talks about the fact that we, it's like we're, we're milk and we need to move on to solid food. And so we do this in the pathway of being able to, um, to come together and to grow together. We believe here at the tab that there are no Lone Ranger Christians. There are people that can believe that they can do this in, a, in, you know, in an environment by themselves. And we just don't believe that that is true. We believe that God has created us for relationship. And in relationship is where we can grow together. We say often that we hear the Lord better together. We're stronger together. Um, and so that is what... Um, that looks like. And so if you look on this um, engagement pathway, we have that your, you know, visitors coming in, they can join us in the, the partner class as an opportunity to kind of learn about what the tab is like. Um, and then at the same time, if you look that it just bumps right up to that blue circle there that says everybody gets to play. This is the idea that we have talked about that everybody, we want to be pouring into you, um, but we also believe that everyone at the same time should be pouring out. Um, and there's not this magic time frame. We, we do not believe that if you're a new believer from last week, um, that you have to wait six months or a year or five years until you can serve. We believe that God has something for everyone immediately. And so helping you find what that looks like. And so that's what our everyone gets to play looks like. 
Grounded, we love for everyone to go through, have an opportunity to go through Grounded, kind of learn about the values of the tab. We talk about that's a place to be able to form spiritual friendships. And then moving up into the corner of the ecosystem, you know, we talked about the Freedom Center, a place for restoration. Missional communities, you know, we're offering new opportunities for that. Deeper life groups, um, you know, for instance, right now we're offering emotional healing. Um, is That's a, a smaller subset of women right now that are doing a deep, deeper life group that Clara and Jill felt led um, to move our women through right now. So there's always going to be different opportunities for deeper life, um, deeper life groups, and they're going to look different, you know, different things going on. The leadership development track, what this is, is that this is a place where we can actually help you. If you say, I really want to grow in this one area, or I want to be able to do this, we'll help you figure out a path to be able to get there. So for instance, if you said, I would like to be able to learn how to pray for other people, we have a leadership development track for prayer ministry. And so we would say, here's the trainings that you need to go through to be fully equipped, to be ready to be a prayer minister, because we want you to be able to be poured into, and then we want you up here pouring into people, you know, or in different places, being able to be a part of our restoration prayer team. Um, we just see that God is expanding our capacities, and we need you to be a part of that. Um, another example um, of that is, you know, Michael mentioned this earlier, becoming a voting member. If you want to say, this is my home, you know, we have a pathway. So you would do these certain classes to be able to do it. Um, another one, we, we believe in the fivefold here. Steve already talked about this is, you know, an apostolic movement of going out. And so we have tracks that are developed to, be, to grow you in the fivefold. And the fivefold gifting is there's um, apostolic leaders. We have prophetic leaders. We have people who um, their gifting is in evangelism. We have people whose gifting is in pastoring people. We say, like, the people that are pastors, they have the I love, like, their gifting. Like, they can have somebody come and just, like, sit with them week after week and maybe say the same things to them over and over. And they are just like, come back. You know, if that's not your gifting, sometimes you might be like, oh my, are we talking about the same thing again? I love the pastors, like in our midst, like they're amazing. And then we have teaching gifts. That's the, that's the five-fold gifting. And so there's tracks to be able to grow in each of these areas. If you want to grow in teaching, there's the pathway to be able to do that. If you want to grow in your pastoring and saying, you know, I want to learn how to better pass. How do I ask the right questions? How do I, you know, move people along? You know, evangelism. We all are called to be evangelists, but we always say with the evangelists, there's people who have a special anointing on evangelism. So pouring into, you know, what that looks like, that they can lead evangelistic um, outposts that can take the gospel into our communities. Uh, the prophetic, it's amazing. Prophetic and prayer going behind all of this. Um, you know, in our midst, if you've been around for a while, you may have had a prophetic leader that's come up to you that said, hey, like I've been praying and you've been coming to mind and I feel like God is saying this to me about you. It is beautiful how this goes you know, around. I can't tell you how many times there's so much of the prophetic ministry that is behind the scenes, but where it's like of these prophetic leaders that God is raising up, you know, there'll be these messages where it's like this person got this verse, this person got this verse, this person, and they're all the exact same. And we're like, hmm. There's something going on here. And we start to listen and we start to hear where God's moving. We want to develop that. And then the apostolic, the same thing. And so these are places that we can help you. And finally, you'll see there's the missional part of our ecosystem. And what this part of the ecosystem is, is what we talked about, is the sending part of it. Um, and 
don't let this fill you with fear. We're not saying that every person has to vacate the tab. You're going to get, okay, you're going to be two years here, and then we're going to just make you leave and go somewhere else. That's not what we're saying at all. God may be sending you to do something, but keep you here at the tab. He also might be sending you to do something that he's sending you to another place. He might be sending you to do a church plant. He might be sending you to another part of the world and we want to come around you and bless that and call it good. And so in this part of it, you'll see Alliance Missions. We've, you know, COVID has kind of stopped this for a little while, but we've done missions trips over the years and we believe in doing missions trips in the United States and doing them in other countries um, and even here locally. And so there's missions opportunities that will be coming up um, for you guys to be able to be a part of the Greenhouse Network. This is Missional Outposts. If you have a vision for starting a nonprofit, businesses, mission, missional communities, church plants, we have a place for you to be able to, to network with other people. And the, the beautiful part of this is if you look at the Greenhouse Lab, this is our incubator. So if you're there thinking, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, which a lot of us in that place, um, we can send you to, it's called Calling Lab, and it's a great first step. John has been running this for a couple years now, and it's just a place. How many of you have been through Calling Lab? Raise your hand if you went, la like, hi, let's see them. Yeah, if you've gone through Calling Lab, was that helpful? Yeah, we've had lots of ministries that have been birthed, birthed out of Calling Lab, and so this is part of our sending. Like, this is coming out of this place of everything being in the tab. We're sending you, you know, to these places to be able to be equipped um, because we believe that God has something for each of you. So we are excited about the engagement pathway. I'm excited to come alongside of you. If you have questions... If you aren't sure where you plug in, come see us. We would love to help you discern what this looks like and figure out a plan um, to be able to put you on, to be able to help you find where you fit. So thank you. Thanks, Brooke. So, and this all came out, this ecosystem came out of the foundation of prayer, worship, and fasting in the Word. Amen. And I'm going to talk about the foundation this morning because um, there's a sense in which the subject never changes. Um, and so, um, you know, we've heard God's voice like many waters in the context of this foundation, and out of it grew this fresh kind of wineskin to carry new wine in the new season, right? Well, so in June or so, I uh, believe the Lord said to me, the foundation's deep enough at the tab. The foundation's deep enough. And you guys might know that if a foundation's not deep enough, that it can freeze, causing the building on top of it to move and causing serious damage. If it's not built well, if a crack happens in the foundation because it wasn't laid right, that it can let water in, causing the building to ultimately become condemned, ruined, um, unlivable. And so it's important that the foundation's built right and that it's built deep enough, right? And I believe the Lord is saying that the foundation is deep enough here in order that it's the influence of the tab can expand the foundation, if you will, into the region. And so that's where, and how do I know this, but the voice of the Lord and how he confirmed it over and over in words like multiplication, regionalization, generational transfer, um, and what that's meant, it's implications for everything Brooke just described, right? Um, this is the way this is playing out on the ground. It's not just some word we're figuring out how to interpret. And so, um, 
the foundation is deep enough. If you can put on the screen uh, the passage, what Paul says in the Spirit about a spiritual foundation. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, pattern the house after the foundation. Pattern the house after the foundation in the way that you build. And the foundation is the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so as we continue on here in this season, building on a foundation that's deep enough, there are things that are non-negotiables that will remain the same that we will be very intentional about. <laughs> and that is that the, found, that the house is patterned after how the foundation is built. And the foundation's Jesus. And, you know, to a form of religion that denies the power of God, Jesus just sounds like, you know, a trite or even cliche answer, right? It, for those who grew up in the church, it's like the Sunday school answer, right? <laughs> but to spiritual ears, to eyes of faith, not eyes of sight, to a heart of understanding by the Spirit of God through faith in Jesus Christ, amen? We know that this is true, that Jesus Christ must continue to be our foundation. And not only that, we know that it's more true than we know. In other words, we have more to experience, deeper to go into the love of God, right? That is not just a knowledge or intellectual assent, but encounter with the living Christ. And that happens through His Word. That happens through worship. That happens through fasting and prayer. If the goal of the Christian life is to be conformed to the Christ, the, to conform to the image of Christ, if the goal is to be conformed to the image of Christ, then the vision is Jesus. And the vision of the Gospel tab is Jesus. Why? Because you become what you behold. You become what you behold. The Bible says, and we love the Bible because Jesus is the Word of God, right? And all Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit and written through human authors, right? We believe in this infallible Word, and it's that against, we, against which we judge every other word. Amen? And the Bible says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And so we're being transformed. He who we reflect on, we begin to reflect. Amen? So as we look at him more in his word, in worship, in prayer, and especially together, not only, but especially together because we hear the Lord better together. Think about how the Lord taught us to pray, right? Our Father, lead us not in the tempted, right? It's we hear better together. He taught us to pray together primarily, right? And so 
I know that this is Vision Sunday, and a lot of times in Vision Sunday, um, you know, we, we will we'll give information about where we're going the upcoming year, and that's super important. But is it okay if I preach Christ this morning? Is it okay if we reflect on Him, if we contemplate Jesus, and we look and behold Him together, that we would become more like Him, that we would grow in His love together? You know, one of the ways we do that is we look on Christ crucified, Right? We don't stop looking at him crucified. Why? Because Jesus embodies the attributes of God on that cross. What do I mean? Holiness. There was sin that made separation between us and God. But he who knew no sin became sin that we would become the righteousness of God. Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen? And there's no greater love than when one lays down his life for one's friend. Grace and truth flowed from Jesus at that cross. How? We received what we didn't deserve. Unmerited favor and divine power through Jesus' death on the cross. For if he didn't die, he couldn't resurrect. Amen? Truth no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Mercy. I didn't get what I did deserve. I deserve to be on that cross. So we behold Jesus and his justice. God's attribute is that he's all just, right? There had to be a penalty for sin. And Jesus paid that penalty for sin. The attributes of God. And as we gaze upon Christ and Christ crucified. We become more like him, even ready, prepared to fellowship with him in his sufferings, so as to fellowship with him in his glory. Let's look at what the Lord said through the prophet Zechariah. It should be on the screen. Uh, one more. Oh, there it is. Yep. I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, catch this, so that they will look on me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him. There's a Trinity verse there, right? <laughs> Who's talking now? <laughs> and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. And how many of you know that the house of David today is the church of Jesus Christ? He said, I'm rebuilding the tabernacle of David, and he did that through the new covenant in his blood. And he said, they will gaze on the one that they pierced. How do we do this? Rhythmically, we do this in the, in the Christian calendar, right? We do this during Passion Week. Holy Week, we gaze on, we look, we reflect on, we contemplate, meditate on Jesus in the week leading up to his crucifixion, the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And we look at Jesus, this facet of Jesus and Jesus crucified. What about communion? Here we have communion every month where we, whenever we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And the cry of the church is, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Why? Because we don't just look at Jesus crucified. We look at Jesus resurrected. Because he's no longer on a cross, 
but he has white hair and fire in his eyes, and his face is shining as bright as the sun in its full strength. And when we look at Jesus and gaze on him resurrected in the word, in worship, in prayer, we become more like him, and we let the word read us. Passages like, as he is, so are you in this world. What does that mean? I'm not going to preach on it this morning, but 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so are you in this world. We have to grapple with that. What have I not yet attained here? <laughs> How have I not yet manifested his glory, whether through yielding or repentance or a fresh filling or, right? Would you read this next passage with me together that's on your screen? Out loud, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. When we look at Christ resurrected, we get a vision for our identity in Christ, right? As a new creation, the old is gone. Dozens of times in the book of Romans. Paul says, the old man is dead. It's like he knows this has to be repeated. Look, like the old man is dead. You're a new creation. You can keep in step with the Spirit. Julie, uh, my wife, shared with our kids yesterday that, you know, when we catch a revelation of our identity in Christ, we begin to look at other people that way. We begin to look at other people the way God sees them. And that's what it said here. We don't look at other people according to the flesh anymore, right? When I look at you, I shouldn't be looking at you according to what lacks or what I should be seeing you as Christ sees you. And when the Father sees you, He sees Jesus. And so I should be looking at you in all the potential that is in you. Anyway, Julie went on to say that to the kids that um, so rather than gossip... Words of grace flow out. And we were talking about gossiping versus grace. And this idea that it's root, but this starts, Julie said, this starts in identity. When I get a revelation of Christ resurrected, I get a revelation of who I am and who you are in Christ. Amen? Good word, babe. Or finally, how about when Jesus calls us a house of prayer for all nations? And he says, zeal for this house consumes me. Zeal for this house to be everything I've called it to be. And that context for all nations is that all are included in the house. <laughs> There's more room at the table in the house. And he calls us a house of prayer. Our gospel identity, a facet of our identity is a house of prayer for all nations. Well, I'm dating myself here, but how many of you have seen Field of Dreams? Field of Dreams? For most of you, it's like, yeah, because it's a classic now, not because 
All right. Um, so, okay, with Kevin Costner, right? What was the main line in Field of Dreams, would you say? If you build it, they will come. Some of you have heard um, my story around this word. Many of you have not. So about two and a half years ago, um, I got three words in one week, prophetic words, that is. Brooke talked about the prophetic in the life of our church. Prophetic words, they were all the same word about prayer ministry beyond the gospel tab. Kind of, a kind of building on this foundation, expanding the foundation, right? <laughs> prayer ministry at the gospel tab. So three words. The third word was... Um, hey, uh, have you started a 24-7 prayer center yet? Uh, if not, or rather, he said, uh, I don't mean to get all Kevin Costner on you, but I feel like God's saying, if you build it, they will come. And so I you know, started a prayer team, and we started ministering to the heart of the Lord together and interceding um, on behalf of our region and, and just asking the Lord, like, what, what should this look like? Where do we go from here kind of thing? Well, fast forward to this past Christmas time, and I was on a Zoom call uh, through a mutual friend with a woman regarding prayer ministry. And she said, hey, can I pray for you as we, as we closed up our meeting time? And I said, yeah, please. And uh, we started to pray. And almost right away, she looks up. She goes, have you seen Field of Dreams? She said, the Lord says, if you build it, I will come and they will come. And I wept. What is Jesus saying? Well, I don't know, but my Bible tells me <laughs> that he said... I will build my church on this rock and that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So how I interpret this word of confirmation from the Lord to build him a house, it's to gather we who are already his house. Gather the house of prayer and where there's hunger and where there's humility, they will gather. I've set up my people to gather. Gather a house of prayer for me to live into their gospel identity. And I will expand my kingdom in and through them. So I don't know what all that looks like for the tab in this next season, but I see us being an influence on the region for gathering. I want to be obedient to that word, right? I want to be obedient to what God's saying. But I know that it's Christ who builds his church. So he's just saying, gather, gather what I'm building. I'm building right now. I'm building up my church. I'm, my father's working and I too am working gather people to pray. Let's look at this um, value of ours, the manifest presence of God. God is omnipresent whether he is acknowledged or not. He's manifestly present where he is treasured, acknowledged, celebrated, and encountered. It's God's presence that has always been the distinctive of his people. As we engage in the primary work of prayer, we are sent into the world on mission. As we engage the mission, we seek his presence even more. We steward a culture of intimacy with his presence and action in the world. Guys, what expands Christ's kingdom in us and through us is the manifest presence of Christ. It's the Word of God. Being rooted in the Word of God, but also being rooted in the living Word, Jesus Christ. We must encounter Him on an ongoing basis. His living presence. How many of you know that Jesus' manifest presence is not some ethereal idea? Right? 
We're talking about the living Christ who said, where two or three of you are gathered, there I am in your midst. And how many of you know, he's not talking about his omnipresence. His omnipresence, as it says there, is here whether we believe in him or not. He's talking about that which makes his people distinct. That which makes us different in Aliquippa and Moon and Center and Hopewell than the Elks Club. It's what Brooks said is the why of the engagement pathway. That people are set free in our midst, but through us out there. That people are equipped, trained up, sent out an exceedingly great army. But this happens through acknowledging Him, treasuring Him, encountering Him. And when He encounters us, He changes us forever. Amen? And this happens in the Word. It happens in worship, in prayer, and fasting. I'm not going to talk much about fasting for the sake of time today, but I just heard this week that fasting is a landing strip for the revelation of God. <laughs> the value of emptying yourself and uh, making room uh, for encounter, for even desire, like, man, I don't, I want to want God, but I don't right now. You know, fasting is that cultivating of hunger, too. And so Joel gave us two apostolic messages two weeks ago. And Jake, if you can come and play. One was about enduring hardships. Guys, in prayer, it's it talked about that interplay, that the value statement there. It talked about that interplay between prayer and mission. When we, and when we are having hardships, when we come to prayer, the Lord says, there shall be joy in my house of prayer. Sometimes we get joy because we need it for hardships. Right? <laughs> Yeah, it's because he loves us, but because he also knows what's ahead. And when, those, and when we experience those hardships, we come back into prayer. In his pr why? Because it's in his presence that is fullness of joy. It's at his right hand that are pleasures forevermore. And this is experiencing his manifest presence, the living word. And so... We catch the Father's heart. Lastly, the other set, the other apostolic message was um, that Joel shared was about being a community of desire, which I think I spoke to. We grow in desire through encountering Jesus. But this other one of catching the Father's heart for the poor, right? And guys, in worship and prayer, in His Word, we catch His heart for the poor. And we redistribute our lives by the power of the Spirit to engage in social, intellectual, and financial capital redistribution. In the context, listen, not in the context of just giving stuff to people who are more poor than you, but in the context of mutuality and relationship with the poor. Because as George, our brother George has said, I find Jesus when I'm among the poor and I need Jesus right <laughs> and so we experience not just the father's heart for the poor we experience Jesus among the poor as we walk in mutuality and relationship with the poor and the spirit leads us to redistribute our lives why to create equal access for opportunity to realize one's potential that they wouldn't otherwise have access to because of injustices in oppressive systems. This 
is the gospel made manifest on the ground, on our sidewalks, in our neighborhoods, in relationship with people. Amen? And we are then transformed to, I think of Isaiah 58, this is the fasting that I choose. That you clothe the naked and feed the hungry, then your healing will quickly appear. The Lord's like, you guys need to serve. You want to be transformed? Serve me. <laughs> you know, and so there's that aspect of Christ that we experience in prayer and in mission when we obey his voice. Amen. Indeed, guys, Jesus is the vision of the gospel tab. He's the vision and he's the visionary. He's the revelation and the revelator. He's the promised land, and He's the way there. He's our very great reward. He is the delight of our souls. He is the desire of the nations. He's the dream in your heart. He is everything we want or need anyway. And it's when we remain in Him Jesus Christ, the foundation himself. We are transformed and we manifest his glory. Amen. Now in a moment, we're going to spend a few minutes doing that as a prophetic witness to who he's called us to be. And that is just gazing on the beauty of the Lord. And I believe the Lord may still be working in some of you related to what he was doing during our worship time. There will be prayer ministers up here for that. But after we worship a bit, Brandy, you can come and close after we sing to the Lord. Guys, the goal year over year is to fall more in love with Jesus and to become more like him. Amen? The way we build with care just as we built the foundation of Jesus Christ by the grace of Jesus Christ here at the tab, is how we continue to go deeper and wider and longer into the love of Jesus. And this knowledge surpasses some informational thing. This is transformation and encounter. Amen? This year, let's fall more in love with Jesus. <laughs> this year, let's become more like Jesus. And may that be our goal every year as he is our vision. Amen. <laughs>